Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I'm your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he's oiled up and representing the nation of Tonga, it's Arturo Zurita. I don't know where that one's from. I thought you were going to say Wakanda, but I, that, I'm pretty sure that's next week. Yeah, I got to see that one still. You haven't been watching the Olympics? No. <laughs> have they started? Yeah, man. They've just started. Where have you been? What this is like is a global Tonga? event. Wait, is Tonga's Tonga real? like a tiny island nation, like somewhere oh, this is in a real Oceania. Place. Yeah, and they have this like one Olympic athlete who like got all oiled up and is like the flag bearer and it's kind of went a little bit viral. I don't know. I only know Marvel cities, dude. I don't I don't follow <laughs> No, the Reporting only thing I've heard about Gotham, the Olympics. Wait, no, that's DC. Only thing I've heard about uh, the Olympics uh, was the BuzzFeed article. I don't know if you heard about it. What was that one? It was about the bulges. They were comparing bulges. <laughs> you heard about it? I if didn't hear were... about it, but that sounds okay. like a BuzzFeed article. Yeah, it was a BuzzFeed article, and people were complaining. They are like, wow, but if you made a, a top ten uh, bulges of female gymnastics, that would not be right. So there was like this whole debate. Uh, uh, everyone should be objectified. Be happy that someone, someone stares at you in this lonely world. <laughs> but, but I will say, yeah. bulge number three was kind of eye popping. I, I will give Buzzfeed that. I mean, a lot of those outfits do not reveal a lot to the leave a uh, lot to the imagination. They reveal a lot. I mean, there was a little bit of a Freudian yeah. slip there on my behalf. So, so yeah, uh, the the Olympics is one of many things that. You could be watching. We'll see eh. if it comes up in our eh. What We've Been Watching. watching in a little bit, we'll be talking about whether or not the Oscars need another rule change, as well as a, the new Joker, potentially. Eh. But first, eh. Art, uh, let's get into it. What have you been watching? What have I been watching? You and I have been listening to a similar thing, which I think you'll be bringing up, or both of us will. I've been watching one thing that I woke up Sunday morning to freaking five inches of snow outside, shoveled out of my, <laughs> opened up the door, shoveled my way out of it, like the freaking Shawshank Redemption, and I go to the theater to watch this little movie by your boy Clint Eastwood. Uh-oh. His wannabe 310 to Yuma, his 1517 to Paris, right? Now I'm a big Eastwood fan. I had no idea the man's directed 36, uh, wait, I, I should have, do you know how many movies Clint Eastwood has directed? <laughs> Uh, 36. Isn't that an insane amount? It is. I mean, he is not exactly like a newcomer, so I don't know if I should be surprised I mean, by that. But yeah, I, it is a it is a pretty gargantuan amount. I've collected a lot of his movies. Uh, one of for like one of my birthday gifts, I was like my family gave me like a whole stack of Clint Eastwood movies. But like I had no idea it was 36. I'm a huge fan of Mystic mm -hmm. River. Um, what is it? Million Dollar Baby. Uh, I think he did Changeling as well. Mm -hmm. uh, super creepy movies. I, I think he can be a really good director, but what he's always known as is a director who 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 relies on really good actors. And that started being uh, very apparent with movies like Gran Torino, which I, lo I love. I love Gran Torino. Half of the movie's very cringy because <laughs> there are actors who have no idea what they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a style to Clint Eastwood movies, and it's not necessarily the most naturalistic. 
Yeah. So I think good actors do a really great job of delivering that type of dialogue. They do a fantastic job. He's also known for being that guy who only likes like very minimal takes, like one or two. Yeah, like he yeah. he's a very much like give me it in one or two takes and we'll yeah. move on kind of director. Oh. So you kind of need yeah. a good actor who's ready to step up to the plate on the first take. Maybe not the amateur actors who were the real life people. People in this movie who started yeah. the incident. So, 1517 to Paris is the train that they took to Paris, the real-life incident that happened a couple years ago. He decided, yo, you know how to make this super authentic? I get, he saw Act of Valor on TV one day, and he was like, you know what I'm gonna do? He's gonna get the real people, real the real soldiers. Mm-hmm. He gets them there in this movie. If he relies on real actors, if he loves doing only one or two takes, boy, does that explain this movie. I called it Pure Flix Meets the Room. Ten minutes into it, I was like, what have I gotten myself into? I looked over at my girlfriend, and my biggest regret with this movie is that I saw it at 12 in the afternoon, so I could not get drunk and fully enjoy this masterpiece of a movie. It is so bad it's good. Oh, Zach, man. let me tell you something. There's a flashback, and even the real actress, act, actresses. Um, uh, Jenna Fisher, I know, plays uh, I Jenna think one of their in moms the in a flashback. And so does Judy Greer. Both of them play moms in flashbacks and current day kind of, but they're in a flashback scene, right? Where they both go into the principal's office. The first half of this movie is a Christian movie. There's no doubt about that. It is a Christian film. Mm -hmm. Then the second half, I have no idea what it is. I have absolutely... They start going to strip clubs in Amsterdam, so they just completely throw that out of the water. (laughs) But the first half is... It's sponsored by Pure Flix Films. And I thought I was watching God's Not Dead 4. They knock on the principal's office. They storm in there, and the principal tells them, your kids have ADD. They're like, what to add? No, you, your kids have attention deficit disorder. I was like, what is going on? She goes, your kids need to take pills. She goes, my kids, my kid is not going to take pills because you don't know how to do your job. Are you getting it? It's a real life Facebook post. Yeah. As a movie. No, I mean, it, there's a tendency with Clint Eastwood's more recent movies to be a little bit get off my lawn. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Back to his little uh, when he was yelling at the chair. <laughs> the whole thing. I mean, Let he me... is one of the few, like, out conservative filmmakers in Hollywood. So let me give you this little line that I had to write down here, all right? The teacher says, if you don't give your kid the pills right now for his, for his ADD, his ad, that when he gets older, he's going to be even more messed up. And they get up and they said, enough is enough. They storm out. And like Charlie's Angels, they both look back. And straight up Judy Greer says, and I know this because I wrote it down. My God is bigger than your statistic. And whips her hair and willows her way out of the room. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it takes a this certain audience to go along. This is the best movie of 2018. With this kind of thing. And, and I don't... You're saying that, like, the the fact that there are some professional actors, that doesn't even No one was professional in this movie. No one was professional in this movie. Yeah. No, I like both of these actresses. I'm a big Jenna Fisher and Judy Greer fan. Jenna Fisher, however, delivers this line where she says, maybe I wrote it down. She straight up just like tells him when, when she hugs the kid goodbye and he's about to leave. She says something like, and I pray to God every day that everything will be okay. And she delivers it like that. I don't know Jenna Fisher's background. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if she was like grinning through her teeth pretending to be a Christian or if like this was the practice shot and Clint Eastwood said, good, good, got it. Let's go next shot. I highly recommend this movie to everyone. Uh, Yeah. Just so you guys know, (laughs) the uh, train doesn't happen until 90 minutes into the movie. (laughs) 
They had it's him not Sandler. Like, it's in. not like the uh, Slumdog Millionaire skyscraper we came up uh, with last week, is it? A little bit. There's a little bit of that too. Oh my yes. god. But there's like three of those though. It's like look at the ball, the the ballpoint pen. He's gonna protect somebody with it during a of drill, course. and then he like you. Here's the thing: they do all those scenes, and this is what I mean by it. They they set up all those scenes. Never do this. Highlight this. Use the ballpoint pen. That none of that happens for the actual attack. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. What's worse than copying Slumdog is half copying <laughs> Slumdog. Being lazy about it. I have never seen foreshadowing that doesn't actually. <laughs> oh, it's it's so bad. It's good. I loved it. Yeah. I, I mean, was not prepared. It definitely seems like there's a reason they're dumping it early in the year rather than going yeah. for like more late mm-hmm. end of year play. Uh, awards play it does not seem like it's gonna be one of those. Again, First. Eastwood normally does get in contention for his like. Yeah. See, like I understood why it became the way it did. What I was really disappointed with, really, the only thing that upset me was that he shot like at a GoPro. Uh-huh. There's like 20 minutes where they Adam Sandler it, and you know the Adam Sandlers when you just go on vacation and you call it a movie. Yeah. They go on vacation. They reenact their vacation to go. To- they literally go to Amsterdam, Italy, and they're recording it literally like on a, on a regular camera. There is jolts that the cameraman does. There is everyone is looking at the camera because they're just filming in public. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it definitely doesn't necess- it doesn't seem like the uh, best Clint Eastwood experience out hey, it's there. It's so bad it's good. That's what I recommend it for. But maybe you got something good. Um, I do. It, I'll get to what we were listening to in a little bit. But, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, being that we're in Oscar season, I was thinking back uh, 10 years ago, 2008, we got a really amazing crop of Best Picture nominees yeah. highlighted by There Will Be Blood and No Country for Old Ben. I decided to rewatch both of those movies over the past week, and wow, if those movies aren't still both great. I mean, it just it's a crazy coincidence that both of those movies just happen to have yeah. been filming at the, same, at the time same time in this, like, Texas area that they were, like, neighboring each other, and, and they've become their, like, iconic works of two of our, like, most or, or the three, brother, three yeah. of our most beloved filmmaker American filmmakers. I don't know. Uh, those movies were so so good at the time. I think I was a little bit more on the side of No Country for Old Men because I think it is like nine tenths of a perfect thriller. There's no soundtrack in that movie at all. No score. It's just the the stripped down tense. Uh, standoffs between Javier Bardem, Josh Brolin, mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson, all these people. And, and it just, it it's a bag of money movie in the most pure sense. There's not a whole lot of other frills and stuff. It's just who has the money? How am I going to get the money from him? Shootouts and, and really stripped down. What do you uh, think about the ending? Each... So the ending is something that... Um, it definitely like took me out at the time because I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, um, I've I grown, hated it. <laughs> I'm I've grown to really appreciate it because I I see the ways that it is sort of foreshadowed throughout the movie and mm-hmm. speaks to sort of the bigger themes of the movie. I think you get all you need from it, but you know at the time it was a little bit sh- just shocking. Still, uh, like just I love that first nine tenths of it so yeah. so much that I th- thought it was the better of the two. But revisiting them, I think I might actually get, give the favor to There'll Be Blood. It's, Wrong. <laughs> man, you have to go back and revisit this movie. It is so, so perfect. No, no, no. I, I agree with you. Single I agree with scene. You. Uh, I mean, your boy, 
Yeah, dude, Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, that's the main reason that I wanted to go back is that uh, I wanted to show uh, my girlfriend that uh-huh. amazing, amazing performance, which might be the greatest film performance of all time. Uh, well, Daniel Day-Lewis as... It's uh, not really a hot take, but Daniel can I give you a little yeah. bit? Go ahead. Can I give you a little bit? Sure. I don't. I think the better performance is Paul Dano. Paul Dano is great. That is Paul Dano's career best performance. Oh, I mean, hands down. You know, there's just some weird things he does in that movie. Like, I love that. I think a less a less smart actor would take that role and really try to make it very powerful to go mm-hmm. up against Daniel Day-Lewis. And he does these like weird things with his voice cracking. It's like and, a dog. And, yeah, and he's like, and he's like a weak child at some points too, mm-hmm. uh, in the way that he's just asking for credit and. I think it it's a really, really brilliant performance from both of them. The way that Daniel just sort of like embodies capitalism is amazing. It's beautifully shot. Robert Ellsworth's cinematography still holds up. I mean, it's one of those movies that when I was first watching it, when it goes from scene to scene, I think it, I maybe didn't get into the flow of the movie. Mm-hmm. But as I look back on it, man, every single moment of that movie works right so well. It. And... It really stuck out on this rewatch of it, but that is a pretty much perfect movie with a hell of an ending. I was glad that I can finally start uh, quoting I Drink Your Milkshake again because that's, that's it's been line. a while. It's been 10 years, man. <laughs> You'd be walking around with a straw at a McDonald's. <laughs> uh, did you see it on Netflix or do you own it? I own it. Is it on oh, Netflix? Okay. I remember it, it being was on Netflix. While. Yeah, so it's like I haven't seen it since like probably 2010. Mm-hmm. So it's like I do want to rewatch it again, uh, mainly because to me there will be blood was my favorite of the two when they both came out. I really didn't like uh, No Country for Old Men. Because uh, that a story ending. about that one. Um, yeah, but someone like convinced me. They gave me like a really convincing thing, which I'll bring up right now. But that's when I got like really put on on uh, Paul Dano. Yeah. The scene in the church is one of my favorite scenes of all time, where he like takes the demon. And throws it out. Yes. The, he, that was like the first time that like I experienced like a, a mini one shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that performance of like there's absolutely nothing there, and he's just going all the way. And then when you think the scene ends, he's still going. I was like, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> Took you somewhere. What is that? What is that man doing right now? Is, yeah. Does he know? Like it's cut. Uh, that's when I fell in love with Paul Dano. That that's to me. That's why I, I like that's there. I will mean, be the combination of that and Little Miss Sunshine is just such a one-two punch that he had in the mm-hmm. late two thousands. There, uh, No Country for Old Men. You had brought up the ending and how you liked it a bit more. Someone had convinced me that No Country for Old Men, obviously it being based off of the novel, um, that the Coen brothers were playing with the three act structure. Mm-hmm. That the whole idea throughout the film is that there's always the good guy who comes back at the end. But those are old men's tales. Yeah. And this ain't a country for old men. Exactly. So it ends with the good guy not saving the day like Tommy Lee Jones' dad was known for as this legend who always came in. And then he had this daunting thing over him and he doesn't mm-hmm. deliver. But that's yeah, the no, point. The, when you rewatch it. it was like. I, I mean, when you rewatch it, having knowing where the movie's going to go, yeah. there's that opening, opening monologue where he talks about how nobody carried a gun. That's not a thing that sheriffs did. But mm-hmm. now, now it's a different world. And it's a <laughs> yeah. world he doesn't recognize. Uh-huh. And, and when, you, when you 
conflate that with the idea of the three-act structure and how we sort of like expect and hope for a hero to win in the end, the good guy to win in the end, I, I think it's a really, really profound idea uh, that, that sticks with you in a way that not all those types of movies yeah. do. So both of them are great movies. I can't really diss either, but uh, right now I'm, I'm going with There'll Be Blood and, and my boy mm. PTA who made, a, made his masterpiece. I'm going with The Reader, 2008 classic. <laughs> Uh, so we're gonna move on to the yay or nay where yes, we sir? oh wait should we talk about Black Panther real quick no I think we should talk about it at the end because these all people right. need to understand what they've been missing <laughs> if they haven't heard the Black Panther soundtrack all right so let's get into the yay or nay where we get you get you with the latest in happenings in the entertainment industry starting off with Star Wars news what else there's always something new happening in the Lucasfilm okay. universe Benioff and Weiss of Game of Thrones fame are being selected to develop their own original Star Wars series of films maybe their own trilogy this is not going to be in related in relation to the Ryan Johnson trilogy at all nor is it going to be an extension of or a spin-off from the Skywalker saga this is going to be yet another original Star Wars trilogy of films that's going to come from the Game of Thrones showrunners art yay or nay you are in favor of these guys taking on Star Wars here's my theory I'm for, I don't I don't care I don't <laughs> I just want to I want to see it. I'll yeah I'll judge it when it's made uh, I thought it was a TV show because if you remember we had we had our theory that Disney was going to create their own streaming service and their biggest thing for the platform was going to be something Star Wars related I had said it was going to be a Star Wars series a little mini series. Mm -hmm. I think this might still stand. Yeah, I mean, there's... A trilogy for the new I think some series. of the announcements have been a little bit confusing because uh, you and I both originally read the announcement as mm -hmm. a series, but yeah. there's been some reporting that says this is a series of films, so <laughs> it is a strange choice considering that... Uh, have they Aren't even... They, they're I, TV guys. Yeah, I mean, at least that's where they've gotten their acclaim. I think they've done some movies. They have like, done some, but what do we know them for? Game series. Game of Thrones. Yeah, and, so, and that episodic way that they've done Game of Thrones, mm -hmm. I think could lend itself well to the Star Wars universe. Granted, well, Star Wars are episodes. <laughs> granted that, uh, you know, Game of Thrones provides you the ability to, you know, show sex and blood yeah. and violence that isn't really traditional to the Star Wars universe. But That's what we need who knows? I mean, um, I don't know. There might be the possibility that these films aren't aren't going to be theatrical releases and are going to be like That's made what I'm telling you. straight That's from what I'm telling you. streaming platform. Dude, TVMA Star Wars movies. If that's the case, let's go. Joaquin Phoenix is oh, being highlighted for the role of the Joker in an upcoming Todd Phillips standalone Joker film. This would be separate from the Jared Leto Joker that's in the Suicide Squad chronology or linear linearology. I don't know. Yeah, what, whatever what it is. Talking yeah. about. Uh, DC is now going to be doing these concurrent films, apparently, where they're you can have multiple pe people playing the same character at one time because it's separate universes. I don't really understand, but uh, solo Joker film with Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker, art yay or nay, is he a good choice to play the iconic <laughs> film role? I feel like he's a little too big. He's not fat. I'm not yeah. going to body shame Joaquin Phoenix, but he's a little I mean, too he's, big, right? He's not any bigger than Nicholson was when Nicholson played it, I guess. 
Okay, yeah, then I'll give you that. No, I think he'd be fantastic. First of all, I like him. So yes. I think anything he does would would be fantastic in any way, shape, or form. What has Todd Phillips done? Uh, I think he's the hangover dude, He's right? the hangover guy, right? Yeah. That and would be intriguing. he also did that one, uh, like, was it? Uh, yeah, War Dogs. Yeah, so it's like, to me, I would be curious to see what he does with the role. What I'm more curious hearing this, we had someone, remember when it was Leonardo DiCaprio and Scorsese? Then it's turning into to, to these two. I'm curious at what point the Cloverfield Paradox shifts into the DC Universe that we now have multiple characters in one. Right. I mean, DC has gotten to the point where that's fine. Do something completely vastly different. Forget this whole, like, oh, Marvel's already got that down. Do mm-hmm. something crazy like this. Make it an anthology stuff. They have messed up their own selves. I mean, all these theories coming out about, I mean, I am i don't hate Snyder. I'm not on the Snyder hate train yeah. or the whole conspiracy stuff of the people claiming that uh, he did finish his cut. He was fired. Uh. Yeah, he was fired and all that stuff. But it's just like, I mean... They went for his vision, they didn't like it, and now they're trying to, like, retroactively get rid of it. Uh, Unless you start all over, do something crazy like this. Multiple universes, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it also, like, I think the modern movie fan is cognizant enough of the idea that you can keep these things separate. That Mm -hmm. Jack Nicholson Joker and Heath Ledger Joker... And Jared Leto Joker can all be different things. Now they're on the same universe. (laughs) And that, you know, Zach Galifianakis Lego Batman Joker could be its own (laughs) thing, too. That's the main one. (laughs) (laughs) And and that we understand the the differences, kind of. That that it doesn't necessarily... When the Joker shows up again and it's Jared Leto, there's not going to be some person in Kansas like, Hey, what about Joaquin Phoenix? I thought I saw him in the... uh, You know... It's dumb, though. Come on now. It is dumb. It's weird. Uh, I think that, I think that if they're gonna go for this route of having like different tones and different styles of films, I'd rather they like allow the different filmmakers to cast who they want. Maybe I'm only saying that because I don't particularly like Jared Leto, but you know, Joaquin Phoenix is a great actor. Uh, I, I am surprised a little bit that he's interested in this role, but yeah. hey, it'd be uh, interesting to see. It, it seems to bring the best out of a lot of actors. Yeah. I'll give it a yeah. Do something different. I don't like him. Jordan Peele is apparently considering a sequel to Get Out. At events promoting uh, the movie at for Oscars recent excuse me for Oscars recently, mm-hmm. he was quoted saying, "I will definitely seriously consider it. I love that universe and feel like there's more story to tell. I don't know what it is now, but there are some loose ends if you know the movie. So Art, yay or nay, you'd be interested in seeing more of the world of Get Out." Yes and no. Uh, I get what he's saying. Yeah. But, like, like getting into the world, that's cool. But you have to remember, like, one of the biggest things of Get Out is figuring it out. Right. Right? right. You know what I mean? So you can't really do a sequel with the same thing. And I don't want him to follow the same thing of, like, ooh, what's going to happen in a big reveal? Because it's sort of like, mm, now it really seems like you're trying too hard. And in order to come up with something, if you're already in this world, right? Yeah. yeah. We were surprised by how crazy it is. In order to have another surprise, it needs to get even crazier. And it, I, you know what I mean? How yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. are you going to get? I mean, like, I'm going to say yay only because if I Jordan Peele really <laughs> wants to do this, I feel like he's got a good enough idea to merit it. Yeah. You know? uh, he's clearly well acquainted with the horror tropes and the ideas Anthology. of horror. And I'll, yeah, and I think he could definitely, there's there's ideas that you can explore in almost like a, a Black Mirror-ish sense that just kind of are 
adjacent to the world that aren't yeah. necessarily the same story exactly. Hey. Do I want to see, you know, Get Out 2 with just, you know, another black guy's dating another white girl and no, oh, no, their families, you know. It, no, that would be a retread and that would be boring. We have that movie. We have a great, mm -hmm. great version of that movie. But if he really thinks there's more story to tell, then it Let's could go. be cool. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. I think it'd be interesting. Maybe he goes back in time. Maybe calls it Get In. <laughs> you down for Get In or are you thinking another one? Get into it. Get it. Get out. Get. Get it. So, get some. Yeah, get it. <laughs> get out. Get out. Something. Get. Uh, we'll get see. Out, get out. Get something. It's a romantic comedy, and it's called To Get Her. Ah. Together. <laughs> ah. Yeah, he's a director. We're not. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we shouldn't. We get, get in the fun for it. Uh, Peter Rabbit was released this weekend, and uh -huh. it's stirring up a little bit of controversy. Have you heard oh, about this? Oh, yes, I heard about it just earlier today. There's a scene in the movie in which a character that is a menace to Peter Rabbit uh, happens to have an allergy to blackberries that is used to his disadvantage in the movie uh, for comedic effect. Sony has since apologized for this movie and for the perhaps dangerous precedent it sets for allergies and people with allergies and eating things when you're allergic to them. I don't know. Art, Yerune, Sony should be apologizing for this moment in the movie. Yeah, they should. And Reese's Peanut Butter Cups should come out and apologize every time they've advertised their peanut butter thing, knowing that people have peanut <laughs> This is the dumbest thing. Now I know why I heard this. Chris Stuckman had tweeted out saying that uh, Paddington uh, shows jail <laughs> as being right. this place where you get unlimited marmalade and that everyone sings and dances. Does that mean that they now have to apologize? Right. Every like, cartoon does crazy things. What? I'm looking for my retroactive uh, apology for Willy Wonka because the side effects of You're not getting it. You're not getting it. That's <laughs> <laughs> dead and gone. I'm sorry, my friend. Yeah, all the way no, down this is this. dumb. This is absolutely dumb. And you know what's Man. crazy? I haven't even seen the movie yet. I was like going to skip it, but I hear it's actually not that bad. Oh, really? I hear, I've, I've heard that it has some uh, adult humor in it that's very cleverly put in there. I thought the trailer was idiotic, but yeah. supposedly it's quite delightful. All right, well, see it. Report back to us. Tell um, us if the I'm allergy thing to. is offensive because I haven't seen it. I don't want to comment come specifically. Back, come back triggered. <laughs> right. I'll never eat blackberries uh, again. All right, uh, we want to wrap up yay or nay with some quick right. cuts of news stories, starting with Big Sick writers Kumail Nanjiani and Emily Gordon are writing a series called Little America. It's an M it's an mm. immigration anthology series that will be for Apple. I like it. Yay or nay? No, I like it. That sounds good. I like it. I'm hands. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, I mean, it sounds almost like an immigration for version Apple. of high maintenance or something. A little bit, but Apple. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're really getting in the TV game. They're developing that Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston show, and yeah. a few others. So I remember uh, we talked like about that. They're making All a big right. play. Uh, Colma, starring Daisy Ridley, is apparently potentially Cloverfield right. Five. Art, yay or nay? You will still be hotly anticipating a new Cloverfield by the time that Colma is out. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> My like fifth kid. My fifth kid's called Clover Zarita. Of course I'm going to be. Yeah. Hands down. Uh, I don't know yeah. about this. I think this is... Do, what? Why? Why are they saying this? Is it because it's a bad robot production? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I don't think everything's going to be a Cloverfield production. It can't all but, be Cloverfield. But it not does everything kind of is in. a tight end. <laughs> not everything can be a tight end. But uh, the way that they have uh, pretty much broken down the movies, 
One was a monster movie. One was a claustrophobic alien thriller. The other one was a sci-fi. Then we got our war horror. This sounds like a psychological... I don't know, it could movie. be another twist on the Clover. Exactly. Clover genre. So the that's the only reason I'm seeing it fit in. It's Bad yeah. Robot, and it's it's not treading on the same grounds as the other one. So it seems like it may be an addition. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna be into it. Uh, Steven Soderbergh is reteaming with his Nick star Andre Holland for a NBA-centered drama called High Flying Bird. Holland will play a sports agent who offers his rookie client a quote intriguing and controversial business opportunity. Art, yay or nay, you want to see a Steven Soderbergh basketball movie. Yeah, once he's done experimenting with all this dumb stuff that he's been doing, ooh, I'm Steven Soderbergh and I'm going to retire. Just kidding, I'm coming back. Oh, I'm Steven Soderbergh and I directed a movie or produced a movie all in an iPhone. My new TV show is an app. Yeah. Steven, stop. You're you're good at what you do. Just do what you, yeah. Logan Lucky is a solid movie. Go make movies. No, I wasn't the biggest fan of Logan Lucky. But I like Ocean's, this Ocean's movie, so who am I to say? I mean, look, I, uh, I think that he's a really, really interesting filmmaker, and most notably because he do, does I, yeah. such great camera work, too. Yes. Uh, if he wants to do an NBA movie, I feel like that's going to be some of the like most well-shot sports scenes we've ever gotten. POV. Right? <laughs> POV of the basketball. I don't know, man. So I, that for that alone, I am all the way in on this all movie. Right. Plus... More Andre Holland. I'm always for more Andre Holland. Yeah, we're talking about him. And our last rough cut story, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, which, by the way, has now grossed... I haven't yet. You did. It's good. It's good. I know, I know. I'll catch up with it when it's on uh, VOD. It's now grossed more domestically than both Thor Ragnarok and Spider-Man Homecoming. You know this? (laughs) No, I did not know that. I thought you were going to say the second Thor that I was real. I was like, yeah, that's right. Of course. Wait, no, I like that Thor. That's the Thor I love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This Wait, how is, much? It's like three hundred over three hundred fifty million domestically already. It Ooh. just keeps piling in money. Not a whole lot of other options in theaters right now, so people keep seeing it. it it's, uh, it's good. Emmy Jumanji is doing so well that they want to be bring, They want to bring back its director Jake Kasdan for the sequel, along with the screenwriters. Art, yay or nay? You want to see mm. another movie from this Ooh. team? I, I don't know about... I mean, they were good. They got it done, right? They got it done. Yeah. But just because you have a sports car don't mean you can drive it like a sports car. <laughs> All right? What really made this movie was... What, this is Kevin Hart and The Rock. They've tried in the past. I, I think that... I didn't like CIA. I didn't like a, a, a bunch of the other Kevin Hart and even Rock movies that they do separately. They came together for this one, and it worked completely well. They add to the story. Jack Black, in my opinion, those two are great. They're the standouts that everyone's talking about. I still think that Jack Black is a standout in the movie. And he's like the third, if not fourth character in the cast. I think the cast makes a big deal. I, I honestly cannot think of another four to outdo this cast. That's what people forget. It's that the cast is who... In the first one, it's... Uh, obviously, that's all you needed was him. I know some... Robin some, Williams. Yeah, some people really like the kids, but Robin Williams was really yeah, the one, he's the one who, who carried the whole movie. thing. And I, and I should tell you something that Robin Williams was able to carry the first one. It, they needed four for the second one, <laughs> but still, who? What are? What other four are you gonna find? You need the cast. Cool. Well, we'll see who uh, they end up bringing back in that cast. We're gonna move on to our topic of the week with the Oscars coming up just a couple weeks from mm-hmm. now already. Can you believe it? Uh, there has been some talk about the switch over to the multi best picture nominee platform. Uh, this was done sort of 
about eight years ago after The Dark Knight, which was a super popular movie and critically lauded, still missed out on a Best Picture nomination back yep, when there were only did. five Best Picture nominations to be had. So a lot of people essentially thought if the Oscars switch up their format to allow up to 10 nominees, this could le open the door to some more movies, some more popular movies. What we've gotten in the years since has been a little bit of a focus on the indie stuff and some of the smaller yeah. stuff. The Oscar nominees have become more and more niche, um, perhaps no more so than this year in, where, in which the only two movies to have grossed over $100 million uh, and gotten a Best Picture nomination are Dunkirk, and Get Out. Get Out. The rest of the films have grossed uh, well below that. The Post with 67 million, The Darkest Hour with 48 million, Shape of Water 44 million, all the way down to Phantom Third at 14 and Call Me By Your Name at 12 million. Uh, and it sort of calls into question whether or not the Oscars are doing enough or whether or not they should be doing more to court the common moviegoer and court bigger, more popular movies like Get Out. Art. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the Oscars need to do something again to change up their Best Picture nomination format in a way that gets some more well-known, some more widely loved movies into contention? You would say it's changed, right? Like you would say that, like you brought up, they're more focused on indies, thus meaning that there was a shift into indies? I mean, I think that there's a couple different reasons for that. Uh, mm -hmm. But I do think, yeah, that we've gotten a lot more of these, like, mid When do you think movies. it happens? Well, there's been this boom in the last 10 years of these, like, $20 million indie movie kind of things. Yeah. The ones that are, like, not at one of the major studios but still get bought for, like, $10 million mm -hmm. at Sundance anyway. Yeah. A and those movies are doing a lot. Uh, that's, you know, that's your Moonlights. That's your Whiplashes. That's your... Uh, all these movies Which that crash. I love. I love. Which, which crashed the Oscars race and have kind of become bigger Oscar bait than these movies like The Darkest Hour, which are more prestige and cost a little more money. Uh, so I, I think it's kind of been a gradual shift in the taste of the Academy uh, going along with the way that the movie industry has changed. Yeah. See, because to me, I can still recall earlier, I mean, in the beginning of just the 2000s, all three Lord of the Rings got nominated. Mm -hmm. They were respecting movies that not only made money and had big spectacle, but were still good. All three of them got nominated. Third one won. A little bit before that, in the late 90s, not only did it get nominated, but it won. The highest grossing movie of all time. Well, inflation, all that stuff, but for that time, Titanic. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few years ago, we did get that Avatar nomination, and a lot of people thought it would win Best Picture. That ultimately went to The Hurt Locker, mm -hmm. which was kind of the, I think, really the signal You think that was a turning point? At it that really, point, it was it like... It really did signal the shift. I mean, it was a big change in the way that Oscars were campaigned for, too. The Hurt Locker I, the was doing part. a bit... The Hurt Locker mm -hmm. was doing a lot to say, like, we are this small, little, scrappy movie going up against this big movie. I think at that time, <laughs> The Hurt Locker might have been the the most Bro. inexpensive movie ever made to have been yeah. nominated for Best Picture or uh -huh. something like that. And who directed it? Catherine Bigelow, James... Uh, <laughs> ex-wife? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 James Cameron's ex-wife. Bro, she went up there like, this isn't just a win for the movie. Take that, <laughs> James. <laughs> she should have been like, I'm the queen of the you world. You won't get this in the prenup yet. Uh, <laughs> no, like, I mean, just think back to like early, early stuff. 
Ben-Hur, Ten mm. Commandments, those were all spectacle movies. Like, it used to be, like, whatever won the Oscar was, like, a really, really big deal. Obviously, stuff with the internet, the way we change our minds, but I think the biggest issue is pol- is, is the politics behind it. I, I'm not saying that there hasn't been politics throughout all of it, but I think as of recently, I mean, that's... Every, every award show, and you would know this more because I know you look into it, that whole idea of how they cast ballots, that whole idea of voters mm-hmm. anonymously coming out and going like, yeah, we haven't even seen the movies, that's the part that hurts me the most. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been a uh, shift that, like that embraces the narratives around awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's sort of a, a group sense of when it's time to award something a little bit different or, yeah. uh, you know, the, it, bringing momentum to some, some movies that Let's, perhaps yeah, the would have been forgotten. For movements from, yeah. Yeah, that being said, I don't know how often that's necessarily giving you unworthy winners, but it is True. definitely shifting the conversations. Um, for me, though, I wonder how much of it is because the studios, their big tentpole movies are now so much more of, of these... Uh, franchises and sequels and superhero films rather than a big original film like a Titanic or or, Max which which got got an Oscar nomination nomination. yeah Yeah. you know I think that sometimes uh, the movies that draw a lot of attention aren't necessarily movies that are highlight the qualities that we should be highlighting with the Oscars you Mm -hmm. know I, I think we we get a lot of time to talk about why Wonder Woman was great. It made a lot of money because it was great. We don't need to give it a Best Picture nomination to talk about why Yo, it did those things. That's what I've always things. been saying. That's true. If the movie's good for you, then it's good for you. Screw what Oscar has to say about it. You know what I mean? My yeah. favorite movie was nominated for the Oscar. Mm-hmm. It don't matter. But you brought up the genre stuff. Uh, or not the genre stuff, but the category stuff. What yeah. category would you add? I mean, I think that there's a couple things you could do to potentially... Uh, bring some more exciting movies in there. I think Best Collaborative Performance, which is something that Matt Zoller cites has uh, written about before. It's the idea of rewarding a performance that was done with a group effort, like a com- combination of an actor and a CGI team. This oh, yeah, like, that one. Uh, this yeah, is okay. essentially is that what, the Andy Circus Award. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what he calls it. It's Best Collaborative Performance because no, it's, it's a performance by more than one person because, you know, it's not just Andy Serkis doing that performance. It's all the artists who go into that, too. And it would be a way to award, uh, award things like Doug Jones in The Shape of Water, okay. which is a great performance but never really should be in Best Supporting okay. Actor. Stuff okay. like that. I think Best Ensemble, which would really be like kind of a casting thing, would be another like great way to bring more actors. I mean, that's kind yeah. of the SAG award, you yeah, know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I do think that casting is something that is so, so important, and it's weird that casting directors don't get an Oscar. I also think just in terms of putting on a better show, I think the Oscars need to add a stunt category. It would be some. It would be a way to add something dynamic and visual to the TV broadcast and award something that is a huge part of the way we watch movies and is a huge part of the th- the movies that people love. I mean, I agree with that. we movies that have stunts in them are, are essentially ninety nine percent of what dominates the box office. You know. Now, special effects, the special effects category, that isn't really for physical stunts, if I'm correct. Right? Yeah, it, it's for it's, uh, like it's for uh, computer effects. graphics, stuff yeah. like that. Okay. Production design is for the actual physical design of sets, but again, yeah. it's not stunts and stuff like that. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I would agree with the stunt things. They're very underappreciated. I think the casting one already is taken care of. But I, I mean, I agree. If I was a casting director, it's like, yeah, great. I have a whole wall of SAG awards. Where the heck's my Oscar? <laughs> right. Um, no, I, I agree probably the most. Some respect. <laughs> I agree the most with the collaborative one. Um, if that would be the name for it, or however they would name it. And it would be something that, like that is a cool award to, I think, you know, what if uh, the Porgs from Star Wars were Stop. nominated for an Oscar Stop. or something? Stop. I think it's the kind of thing that would get people a little more into the Oscars. Uh, but speaking of getting people into the Oscars, we have a few very popular movies that are, are in contention for some awards. Mm -hmm. Dun uh, Dunkirk is a movie that is pretty widely loved and did pretty well at the box office, but Get Out was kind of the movie of the year in terms of just conversations and uh, um, amongst casual moviegoers. Mm -hmm. It really captured a lot of people's attention. I think it's gonna bring a lot of attention to the Oscars from people who normally disregard the Oscars. Is it important that Get Out goes home with a couple awards? You want me to hit you with the three points right now? Go ahead. Let me hit you with three points right now. Three points right here. For the people who are saying that Get Out shouldn't even be, uh, nominated or win uh, let me bring you back to mad max and the the culture phenomenon that that was right this was the most culturally impacting movie of 2017 if you hated it it literally moved you to feelings of hate it impacted you in, in either way that's how impacting the movie was mm -hmm. and i think that if we're talking about a movie that defines a year that this would be a movie that you can choose to define the year the artist, I don't know what that defined, but other movies like Spotlight, other movies like Moonlight from last year, the way that it defines the year, I think Get Out would be the perfect one mm -hmm. to define it, and they've already nominated for it. No, I mean, you look at, the, I, I think we brought this point, I brought this point up on a previous mm -hmm. show. There's not a lot of films out there that add words to our vocabulary. Incepted is a thing because of mm -hmm. Inception. True. But you can say someone is in the sunken place and people instantly know what you're Understand saying. What you're talking all those about Kanye exactly. is in the sunken place jokes, we all get that because this is like a this is a commonly I thought of idea that's been articulated by this movie and it's sort of captured the zeitgeist percent. in a way. Two, if we're talking political, right? We're, we've already this isn't we agree that they are already political. They're doing political things in order to have these campaigns to see who wins an award and it's all, all these politics and stuff. So, I'm going to play your game. You guys need viewers. You need a bit more viewers. How do we get that? What you brought up. Get a movie like this not only nominated so people are tuning in. Get it to win. Guess who's watching next year? The same people who are watching movies like Get Out. Yeah. And not the other, what, eight nominated films? They come in not only to watch your show because they're rooting for... So, ain't nobody watching the main game unless their home team's playing for the most mm -hmm. part, right? This is supposed to be the Super Bowl. You've yet to make it the Super Bowl because you're not sending teams that... Right? Since you got, like, your 32 teams? Mm-hmm. The Oscars Super Bowl's bringing in, like... <laughs> well, see, this is what's actually really exciting about the Oscars to me this year is that there is no real clear best picture For the most part, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, people are saying maybe it's Three Billboards, maybe it's Shape of Water, maybe it is Get Out. But mm -hmm. the fact that there are so many horses in the race means that we can all kind of watch An and get An exciting show? Exactly, yeah. I mean, people, I know people who loved Moonlight last year mm -hmm. who didn't watch the Oscars because they were so convinced La La Land was going to win. And for a few seconds, they were right. But yep. that, you know, when, when it's really <laughs> up in the air like that, it's really, it's just that much more exciting and, and it puts someone like me, I consider myself someone who's really in tune with the Oscar race, and even I exactly. feel like I'm at a loss as to what will ultimately win. 
So that's why I think it would be a good idea. Three uh, is that idea of if it wins, it opens up the door to so many other movies that usually aren't considered. Like we look back to the mistakes Absolutely. and I would say these are mistakes like Dark Knight, other movies that weren't nominated. And what I think that brings to the table is a better show. Yes. When you have so many movies that not that many people have heard about, and even movies that I'm not going to bash, I love Whiplash. In a show, what sketch are you getting out of that? Do you want to... The ESPYs had sketches for Get Out. There's new shows that do sketches on Get... You get what I mean? Yeah, so no, it's when a you have movies, piece of media. When you have movies that people know about, you then can put on performances for that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing that the Oscars is missing. That's why they rely so heavily on just the music. And really, it's only two songs that people know, right? Like last year was the Moanas and probably another one. Right. The other three is just people going, okay, this is from that documentary no one saw. And this right. is what, you know what I mean? Get more stuff in there to make it a good show. Like you said, something that's actually going to have you on the edge of your seat. Something that people are going to be rooting for. And the best part about a movie like Get Out winning is that I do truly believe that it's a very well-crafted script. I believe that if it wins, it, it's still deserving of it. But most importantly movies get people to watch the show and be introduced to movies they would have never watched because if they see that the oscars values normal people's opinion they're going to look back and see everything else that was nominated and be like well you know what they cared about me i care about everything else they're choosing that's why absolutely i mean i know whenever there's been a film that i really loved and it got nominated or it got it won an Oscar. Mm-hmm. That's always been validating in a way that's made me want to see more films that have been nominated for Oscars. We see people who kind of disregard the Oscars, people who consider themselves big movie fans because yeah. the Oscars don't reflect their taste. But this is such a movie that has hit across so many different uh, so many different audiences that I think it might bring more people into the Academy exactly. fold in a way. Yeah. And not to, and you mentioned like this isn't the type of movie that wins. We don't see horror movies get nominated or win. We don't see comedy movies win Oscars mm-hmm. for Best Picture typically. It would be great to see somebody see something that is so genre, that is so atypical to what we consider an Oscar movie, succeed on this level and perhaps change what people think about uh, when they think of the Academy the Awards. Because exactly. we, you know, the Oscars are meant as a spotlight on the best achievements in cinema. They, they mm-hmm. are supposed to highlight the best in filmmaking, not the best in prestige filmmaking, not the best in drama filmmaking. Which it's been. But it, it, which it's been for the most part, but the just the most, uh, just the most innovative and and breathtaking filmmaking out there. For me, Get Out is easily one of the best movies of the last year. I I put Three Billboards as my number one. I'd be really happy to see that win. Right, but and Get Out some thread I had above as well. But Get Out, yeah, Get Out is one of the best movies of the year, and I know a lot of people are pulling for it. I. I'm starting to feel like it might have some momentum. Let's go. Given that it won Best Original Screenplay Uh, at the Writers Guild. Hey, let's go. I'm telling you, this is it. It's time for the old stuff to get out to bring in the new. There you go. (laughs) Absolutely, man. Uh, I am really excited for the Oscars and for the Oscars to potentially give Jordan Peele a statue or two. Uh, We will see in just a couple weeks. But for now, we are going to move on to our final segment of this and every week. It's the new to see where we talk about what's new in theaters on streaming and on VOD. Starting off with the new in theaters on February 16th. It's the only thing worth talking about. Black Panther. Bro, I don't even... 
You, yeah, you can see it. I'm pretty sure you can see it right there. Maybe, maybe, maybe you cannot. Because I know you got a different camera than the camera right there. These yeah. things right here, those are my tickets. They've been right there on the board. They've been in every video that I've been making on the A to Z show. Dolby Atmos, day one. We're talking about the album. We'll talk a little bit about yes. it right now because this is what, what I'm pretty sure both of you, both of us are going to have on the... Um, it's already on the, been on, on loop for me. Sheesh, dude. Yo, my boy Kendrick. Kendrick, movie albums aren't supposed to be this good. No, no. <laughs> it is It is an adventurous, out-there album. Like, he's doing some crazy sounds on this thing, too. This is it, Disney's. Right? Like, this is what? the fact that Disney is putting out this, this soundtrack is incredible to me. Because it's just, it, the, the future bits... I mean, future. You like future? I, I am not. That's the only thing in the album. They actually let future act a fool on a Disney album. I know. I mean, I just think it's hilarious that that's on a soundtrack that's being put out by Disney. It's just... You want to know I what it is? Do you want to know the last great album from a movie that I was this hyped up for? What was it? Creed. Oh, yeah. And who Creed directed Creed? Soundtrack. Ryan Coogler. Is it Ryan Coogler? That's who it is. He knows and it's the, important, man. And the album before uh, before Creed, Fruitville Station's album. Was, <laughs> I think it's Ryan Coogler's doing or Ryan Coogler's team. They know how to get people and they know how to orchestrate something where they give just all creative liberty. This is a TDE album. They are not held back at all. This is Kendrick's group going all in. I think this is really cool. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's really, really dope. It's really musically pushing some boundaries mm -hmm. in the way that it sort of breaks up rhythms, and it really gets into that great thing that Kendrick does, where he sort of finds a motif and and goes it over and over and over again. Are you on you, ten yet? Are you on ten yet? <laughs> oh, it's hard X is to, my favorite. Ah, uh, man, it, he he. Yeah, X is really great. King's Dream is really great. Just oh, the, yeah. the opening track is great. I, it's hard to really pick one above the rest. The Vince Staples track, I love, too. Rob, got... Paramedic is dope, too. Yo, there are some lines in this. Even Kendrick can't even humble me. <laughs> Woo! There's that one about uh, you make something sing, call it a Drake. Oh, there's this one about I stand behind my bars like a seasoned criminal. Oh, like the, uh, these are, it's, I love it. It's, it's getting me We so, haven't even gotten the movie yet. So How does it fit with the movie? movie? Yeah, I, I'm very curious to see how much it plays into the movie, if at I'm all, because I'm sure there's going to be some songs that just they, aren't well, they, in it. But. Yeah, 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 but they still mention a lot of things like uh, Killmonger and you know yeah. the, the Black Panther and stuff like that. They mention Wakanda. He mentions Wakanda like it's Compton in one of the songs. Uh, no, it's fantastic. So that's all we can talk about right now to hype up the movie that's coming out. But like I said, I am yeah. excited to see it. I got extra tickets. I, I bought some seats around me just saying people don't bother me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to go see that one day, opening day as well, and... It's not even really my thing to do the midnight yeah, screenings man, of Super. Well, I'm just so excited for my boy Ryan Coogler. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. New to streaming on Netflix, February 16th. Everything Sucks, Season 1, a new Netflix teen drama. As well right. as Irreplaceable You. This looks like the new tearjerker romance starring Gugu Mbatha-Ra. Gugu Mbatha-Ra is really having her Netflix yeah. moment. Uh, really? February 18th, we're getting The Joel McHale Show with Joel McHale. A show that looks like it could be... 
basically a sequel to The Soup. The Soup. Uh, it's him and a green screen, so I'm all for that. I like Joel, Joel McHale being a snarky asshole about <sighs> other TV shows. And uh, in my, I could just play that in the background. That's cool with me. February 19th, Netflix's live-action Full Metal Alchemist movie hits Ooh. the streaming service. Dude, I, don't know I about have that. no idea to think what to think about that one. I don't know about that. Anime live-action adaptations don't always go well. And what happened to the last Netflix adaptation of Death Note? Yeah, yeah. So maybe not a lot to expect there. On Hulu, February 14th, 2009, Star Trek. February 15th, the complete series of NBC's Parenthood as and 28 Hotel Rooms. This is an underseen indie movie written and directed by Matt Ross, who went on to do Captain Fantastic, a movie that a lot of people liked from a couple of years back. I thought that movie was okay. I think 28 Hotel Rooms is much more interesting. It's the story of an affair between two people told between told over rooms. the 28 hotel rooms that they get together. It's kind of fun. Oh, hey, that's not good. When did this come out? I want to say 2013, maybe 12, oh. but it's an interestingly well, structured movie. Yeah, yeah uh, so that one's going to be on Hulu February 15th. February 19th, White Bird in a Blizzard, which I basically remember as the indie movie oh, where Shay Shailene Woodley is naked. It's naked? Yeah, that yep. was the big deal about that movie. Holy smokes. That's all. Yeah, I remember that movie. Uh, HBO Go on February 17th, The House, the movie where Amy mm. Poehler and Will, Fer Will Ferrell turned their movie into a casino. I know Matt Singer of uh, Screen Crush, or Rant, has mm. kind of stand that this movie is much funnier than it's given credit for, so I might try and catch up with that No, it is funny. It's got some good jokes in there, but it also gets really dumb. But there's yeah. some really good jokes in there, though. Uh, and on February 19th, season five of Last Week Tonight with John Oliver is back. Oh. On Amazon, February 16th, uploading Human Flow, the Ai Weiwei documentary. He is the uh, Chinese activist and artist who is pretty outspoken on human rights issues and stuff like that. Pretty interesting modern artist, if that's cool. your scene. Logan Lucky, which we mentioned briefly, that's going to be available on Amazon Prime. And Mozart in the Jungle Season 4. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to continue to ignore that show's existence. <laughs> Damn, okay. <laughs> New to VOD, February 13th. Roman J. Israel Esquire, we get to catch up, man. Where? On what? Wait, on well, what? VOD. Oh, we still got to pay for it, though. It was coming out on streaming. Uh, also, Wonder, that Julia oh, Roberts yeah, that's another Wilson one. movie, yeah. that uh, a lot of people seem to think was actually pretty good. Yeah, and then uh, Florida yeah. Project, one of my favorites from last year, which that's I think got, should have gotten a little bit more respect. That one is finally going to be out on VOD and available to y'all. Art, what is your pick for the week? Listen... Uh, besides the Kendrick album, which, which you should be listening to, there's music videos out, so new to see. You can see the music videos, <laughs> listen to them, hear it, have a good time with it. Uh, no, uh, Altered Carbon is a movie that I've been catching up on. Uh, TV shows, yeah, series yeah. that I've been catching up on. It really got... They put money into this. Yeah, they were but pushing they, this one after uh, after watching Cloverfield Paradox, right, right? Right, yeah, right after, right. They put money into this, but they put 50 mil into Cloverfield. Both came out at the same time, around-ish. Bet all the attention went to Cloverfield. Uh, this one got a little bit buried. And here's the thing. like I, I, I'm not fully endorsing it. I'm just saying that it, 10 episodes long, 50-ish um, minutes. It's, it's about it's, – think of it like a Blade Runner where there's these different bodies. You don't die. You just go on to an Futuristic sci-fi Yeah, it's very thing. futuristic, cyberpunk. Some visuals are fantastic. Other visuals are like, okay, it's a little green screeny. Uh, sometimes the acting's good. Sometimes the acting's CW. I think yeah. the action – sucks i think it's mediocre throughout the thing it's uh, it, the dude joel kinnaman i think is the star of that one right 
what is this, some kind of suicide squad? <laughs> yeah, that dude right there. Uh, it's it's got some interesting ideas though. Like there is there's this whole branch of the Catholic Church who doesn't believe that when you die, because the thing is when people die, everyone's got chips. We're no longer like mines. Everything's loaded into the cloud and stuff. So when someone dies, you go boop, you put that plug that USB in and figure out how they died. Hmm. So some people because Catholics have a law that protects them so that they don't come back from the dead, use that code so when they kill someone, they don't come back. So then it also becomes political because there's a law that's trying to get passed that says that if there's a murder, then that gets bypassed. Right? Like, there's some stuff where I was like, yo, that's some deep stuff. And then you get, so like, all random... Like future society laws. Yes. No, there's there's some layers to this. So Black that, mirror in a way? Exactly. Or? A little bit, yeah. So I appreciated some of the stuff. There's, I don't want to spoil, but there's this one story of a guy who cannot remember the last two days and how that plays out. It's pretty interesting. We might talk about it later, but I do recommend cool. it. It does get a little cheesy sometimes. And there is... So much nudity in this, it rivals Game of Thrones. And yeah, we are I, talking. I hear there's uh, some full frontal bong oh. action. In oh, this. <laughs> it got me up. I was like, what? But uh, yeah, it's on Netflix. Check it out. Awesome. Uh, is, am I going to get this, get into this one from episode one, or do I have to give it one or two? Oh, I don't know. It took my girlfriend to tell me what happened at the end for me to be like, okay. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going to recommend The Florida Project. That one's out on VOD. You know, I really love Sean Baker. Uh, he's one of my favorite small filmmakers, and this is the this micro-budget movie is the highest-budget movie he's ever done, uh, taking That's place true. in the motels outside and around uh, Disneyland. World. World. Almost had it. Yeah. Almost had it. 50-50 chance. Yeah. Uh, it, so it tells the story of the hidden homeless, essentially, in America, mm -hmm. the, these families that are move, living in hotel rooms and living right month outside, to month yeah. and looking for jobs and basically don't have money to get by. It's basically about this six-year-old girl named Mooney and her single mother. And you see the world through her eyes. Mm -hmm. So while she has a lot of sadness around her, she doesn't necessarily a kid. know enough to experience it as sadness. So mm -hmm. I think it's a really interestingly presented movie, a very yeah. interesting perspective on uh, poverty and poverty in America and right the, outside uh, the housing crisis place. and exactly right outside the happiest place you know they it, it's really amazing to see the scenes in which they're kind of literally outside the fence from happiness and yeah. there's fireworks over there and they're in the distance in a just... freaking Shrek swamp watching the fireworks yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there's it's some good. really really brilliant commentary in the way that Sean Baker shoots this mm -hmm. so uh, watch the Florida Project if you want to rent that on VOD. If you don't want to spend the money and you got Netflix, check out Tangerine because that movie is oh, still yeah. on there and that is another one of my favorites from Sean Baker. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Starlet is still on there, but that one's also really, really good. So the movies of Sean Baker, more specifically The Florida Project, that is my pick <laughs> As for the week. he gets closer to getting a camera. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let, let's all chip in for his uh, Indiegogo to get him uh, a DSLR. <laughs> Give him my T3A, uh, yeah. Uh, that's all, though, for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter or Instagram. Both of those are at ZShevich. And check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash multiplexshow. Art, where can people get more from you? You can find me at the ADZ Show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Letterbox, as Letterbox. well as, of course, yeah, you know, a little bit, a little, little doing some little stuff right there. Trying to get them Letterbox sponsorships that I don't even think they do because I ain't got ads, but... 
you can find me on YouTube. I got uh, I'm, I'm getting on that train of getting at least a minimum three videos up. So you can catch me over there. You can complain. We can talk about movies. We can discuss things. I've been doing live streams over there as well. But if you don't want to catch me over there by myself because you think I'm too boring, boring going solo and you want to catch a dynamic duo over here, you can always find us here on the intercut. Yes, sir. On. You can listen to the podcast. Every episode is on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, your favorite podcatcher. As long as it's got that RSS feed, look for Giving Intercut Pod and you will find me and Art in your ear holes, whatever, yeah. every Tuesday. Uh, and on YouTube as well, if you go to youtube.com slash C slash Intercut Pod, we got that URL to make it easy for you. Uh, so make sure you're checking out us in video, in glorious video, so you can see our smiling faces as we deliver the yay or nays to you. It gives gives so much more to the experience. It's like 40, pretty much. Yeah. yeah you can drink water alongside us. Take a sip for every <laughs> sip we take. But thank you guys for uh, watching. Also, like our Facebook, follow our Twitter, check out our Instagram. All of those are at IntercutPod. I'll be updating them Super throughout easy. the week with updates from both me and Art. It's the best place to catch up with both of us. So thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, I promise I'll watch Dark, you guys. You don't have to keep commenting that we need to watch Dark. One day. <laughs>